This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And uh, Ramon is present. And Jonathan, I'm eternally grateful to our listeners um, because they have really, really great ideas about rebranding our podcast. They, they do really come to the fore whenever we even don't need them. <laughs> Especially the listeners that don't listen to the show. Yes, those ones who accuse us of saying things and then when we ask them to cite where we've done that, they show us a photograph of us standing next to one of our guests. Yeah, because uh, every guest we, you know, that comes, we agree with them 100%. I mean, Absolutely. That, that's the point of the show, really. Yeah. It's fact, just to In fact, all, suck dicks. all almost 100 guests we've agreed with, every single one of them completely on all of their things. Right. So the communists, we agree completely with them, and the conservatives, we com- agree completely with them as well. Yeah. yeah. Just uh, at uh, the same uh, time. It makes know? sense no, for some people. No cognitive dissonance whatsoever. So for the rebranding, I was thinking uh, maybe uh, the White Wine Boys Club. Yes. It's not quite it WMC. Has been proposed. Not quite WMC, but um, close enough. White Wine Boys Club. Well, uh, we could certainly have a wine club to, to that effect. Yeah, WH, by the way. <laughs> like Bush. <laughs> so, you, have you still got your land? I don't have any land. Oh, goodness, I, I never no. had. I never had for. No, I've never had land. I still got my house, which I rent, which is still there, thankfully. Yeah. All right. Well, and uh, you haven't had to rent it from Julius yet. Uh, no. So, so, um, good news is you all still own your land for now. And, uh, you, uh, if you rent your houses, that's from your landlords, not from the government just yet. Uh, and so we're going to talk about some land today, specifically a piece of land, uh, called Johannesburg. Right. And, uh, it is quite a privilege to have in studio a photojournalist, YouTuber, and creator of Hey Joburg, Shane Robinson. Hey guys, how you doing? I've, that's how you start every YouTube video. Well, sir. fairly close. I was actually going to go with, hey, Joburg, how are you guys doing? But I thought I'd tone it down a little bit today. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, Shane, thank you for joining us. Um, so you run a YouTube video on what well, it's called, hey, Joburg, and you literally spend, it appears, every waking hour of every day in Joburg, uh, showing the people of YouTube what Joburg is about. Yeah, so, I've been, I'm a Joburg boy. I grew up in Joburg. I've lived here all my life and I love the city and working as a photojournalist in the city, I get to know, I've gotten, gotten to know so many different places and little treasures that people don't normally get to see. And right. when you're sitting around at one of those typical, you know, uh, brides in the house that you might or might not own, um, you get to telling the stories about these places that you know about, and everyone's like, "Yo, why don't you tell people about this?" And that's kind of how it sort of came about. Okay, yeah, because my—I mean, I go to Joburg quite often because a, I got work there, and b, there's a hell of a lot of things to do there. The best shoe shop in South Africa for men is in the middle of Joburg. I mean, you are talking about Johannesburg City because when you say Joburg, um, you know, people in four ways who've never kind of been south of w- William Nickel. Um, kind of uh, might uh, might be confused, right? So it's literally the CBD. So it's between the M1 South. Okay, the M1 South is uh, you know divides the city, but I suspect anywhere from Heelbrow all the way to oh, what's that place? Fordsburg? The, to Fordsburg. That's yeah, the one. Fordsburg. Fordsburg. 
Uh, so that's, that's Joburg CBD that we, you know, the one that we're talking about from Bramfontein to the end, which is, I can't remember what it's called. City D probably. The, the nice thing though is that that Joburg CBD area is, is growing. It's getting a lot bigger. So other areas like Richmond, those sorts of areas, Sophia Town, et cetera, are kind of being incorporated into it as regeneration happens, as people go in and say, hey, this is quite a cool area. Crime rate sucks, so let's start fixing it up and sorting it out. And so that CBD area grows a little bit every day. While it may not be geographically the Joburg CBD, um, as far, look, as far as I'm concerned, it's all Joburg. Right. Whether you know the housewives in four ways want to call it Joburg or not, I don't really care. It's my Joburg. It's the story I'm telling, and... Yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, okay, John. Yeah, well, I just wanted to. I think that's interesting because you've uh, been a storyteller for quite a, a long period of time, uh, and you've been to many places around the world, many cities, and I suppose when you've seen lots of other things in other places, uh, it gives you a bit of perspective, and maybe that's what we miss out on sometimes because I find like we don't explore our city. I mean. You, you just tell us, give us some highlights of, of the places you've been. So, 100% agree with you. Even though 99% of the places I've been are places people don't normally want to go. So, I did Lebanon in 2006. I've done Haiti. Um, I did the Libyan Civil War. And I've been to some cool places. Also, I've been to the North Pole. Um, I've been to South Korea. But mm. the one thing I do it's the Donald find, Trump tour, basically. <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty much everywhere he says I can't go, that, that's where I go. Um, what I do find, though, is there's a pride in the capital city or in the main city that the city carries on. There's always, even in those trying times, there's always people in Lebanon, in um, Beirut. You know, we literally sat on the beachfront with bombs coming over our heads, bombing the crap out of South, South Beirut. And we were sitting on the beachfront drinking cocktails in North Beirut, literally 200 meters away. And it starts to teach you that there's always good. There's always good to be found. And I think that's what I've learned over 16 years is that, yes, there's bad crime. I mean, I was mugged in Fordsburg last year, literally November last year. I was working on a nothing story, just doing some pretty footage of Fordsburg. A couple of street kids jumped me and they got my cell phone. They broke my gimbal. I chased them down. I got my camera bag back. Um, but when I went out with that story, everyone was like, oh, you've got to stop going to the Joburg CBD. And you know what? I don't blame those kids. I, I really don't. Those kids shouldn't be there. I blame the politicians sitting in high places who's stealing all the fucking money. And they are the reason those kids are sitting there because at home they've got no food, they've got no money, their parents are dead, there's AIDS, there's all these things that contribute to the factors of those kids being there. So if you're going to walk around the streets there and not pay attention, I normally pay attention, yeah. not pay attention, and you're going to whip out a 10 grand cell phone, chances are someone's going to grab it from you. Yes. No, no, very true. I mean, I, I walk around, uh, not, not aimlessly, but, uh, to go to different places and different clients. And, um, I mean, you have to be wary. I mean, that's, that's the, in, in any city, by the way. I mean, I went to New York a few years ago and I was super jumpy because <laughs> there's just so many people. And I'm, um, when you, when you're used to being in Johannesburg and other so-called safer cities seem, don't seem as safe. So you have that, that same sort of, uh, not anxiety, so to speak, but you're far more cautious than you would generally be. Um, but one of my favorite videos that you made was, and the one you suffered for as well, because I believe they broke into your car, was the Collector's Treasury. Oh, great little bookshop. And, and little. That, 
Jay Little, there's fucking five stories of books. Yeah, and, and, and when, when Ramon says books, it's not like neatly filed in like spaced bookshelves. It's like there are tons of bookshelves, but then there's just like tables with like books piled like higher than a human all the on stairs, top of each other. All the stairwells have books all around the stairs. <laughs> so to walk down is, is tricky. It's one of my favorite stories. And it was weird because I was working for City Buzz at the time. I was working as a journalist for City Buzz newspaper. That's kind of how the vlog came around as well as I started working for them, started doing Facebook lives and it grew into this beast. But yeah, I didn't have a story to tell that day. So literally I drove into Joburg Central, parked my car and I started walking and I saw this door and I saw all these books. And I was like, what the hell is this? Went inside and it just blew my mind. And what I showed in the video is only two floors in a basement. Yeah. There was three floors that I couldn't get access to because when the lift comes up to it, you can't get out because it is packed solid with books and LPs. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, I believe it's two brothers who've had it since 1974, I believe, because I spoke to them as well. Yeah. And I'm like, and they, I think they have no idea how to get rid of all this stuff because they keep buying. They, they do, and you it's know, just so, basically hoarders. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> they just don't know how to stop buying books. And so many people have come to them and said, you know, let's catalog, let's, let's take it to a warehouse, let's put it online, and they're not interested. They really, they still drive old, you know, cell phones with little push buttons and no screen, and they couldn't care less about technology. It's like, this is their thing, and I really think it's got to a stage there where it's just something for them to do every day. It's yeah. somewhere for them to go and interact with people. Yeah. But if, but if you know people, um, you are aware. I mean, that bookshop is legendary. Yeah. It really I mean, is. I love stories like those. That's, that's kind of what drives me is to find those stories. Um, the boxing, the story I did on the boxing grannies in, um, Cosmo City. Cosmo City. I was just about to ask you that one. Explain a little bit, uh, what that one's about. So that is a great story. We've got this boxer, George, and he's a, a gym trainer. Now, he was a South African champion. He's huge. And he decided to open a small gym in Cosmos City to try and get the kids off the streets, off drugs, etc., and try and get them into fitness. And so he opened this gym. It's really cheap. And he started training these guys. And then a couple of gogos came to him and said, listen, can they come and train there? They, they want to get fit. And it's right next to the clinic in Cosmos City. And so they'd go to the clinic and stand there all day. So instead of standing there all day, they went to gym. And then one of the ladies somehow saw boxing. And convinced George that they needed, he needed to train them, that they wanted to box. And it is mind blowing. Now these ladies are 60, 70 years old. And I tell you what, the workouts they do would kill me. Without a doubt, they go there twice a week, they train. And since they've started doing that, they no longer stand in the queue at the clinic because they're healthy. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, that, was, that was one of the themes of, of the video as well, was that you spoke to quite a few of, of these ladies who do boxing. And they're like, well, we don't, have to, we don't come here for the clinic anymore. We just come here for the boxing because blood pressure's down, weight is yeah. down, health is back up. Um, I mean, that's a great story. And you'll never hear about it. There's something about South African media that just doesn't tell good stories. I know there's print at Linda Q here at Cliff Central. It's got a good things guy. Who tells good stories of South Africa, but there's just not enough of those stories where people just come together and make something happen without needing authority or, or permission or a bureaucracy. They just come together and do it. I used to, uh, go to the, the Hilbra Boxing Club a few years ago. Basically, it's a dilapidated petrol station. Maybe you know of it. Yep. So I'm actually going to go back and do I did a story on it a couple of years ago, um, for the newspaper. And yeah, I want to pop back there. Um, Heather Mason introduced me to the place. Yes. And 
Yeah, so I've got, I've got to go back there because that's also a fantastic story. There's so many of these beautiful Joburg stories. And the problem is that one of the reasons I left mainstream media is that even though they are independent, inverted commas, independent, they've still got an agenda. No matter who they are, they still have an agenda that sure. they want to push. Yeah. And I got so sick and tired of that agenda being pushed onto me. If I may ask, what, uh, how was that, um, you know, how did you – how do they enact that agenda onto you? It's, well, it's just, just by the story you? type. So they'll okay. kind of there'll be fifteen stories for the day, but they will choose a specific amount of stories, the certain stories that they that work with their agenda. The right stories. The right stories for commas. what they want to tell. <laughs> yeah. Um so, you know, I've got friends at seven oh two and that but Star Newspaper, all of that, they they all have this yeah. Not, you know, maybe agenda's too strong a word. But they, they have a policy of kind of the way they tell their stories. And you'll come to them with story ideas. And back in the early days, you know, when I did my story on the ballet school in Alexandra Township that I worked on for a year, we were given the freedom to go and tell those stories. It was because, because it was a phenomenal story. And because I was given that freedom, that story won a World Press Award. And that's one of maybe 10 South African photographers that have ever won a World Press Award. Um, because we had the space to work on those kinds of stories. Now it's politics. Politics, crime, corruption. That's all they want to know about. And I couldn't care less about them. I, you know, that's going to happen. It's going to happen everywhere in the world. It might not even be as bad in South Africa as we all actually think. But because the media agenda pushes it so damn hard all the time, all the actual good stories are swept under the carpet. Yeah, well, it's often even just the view of 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 you know what's happening because there are different ways of looking at things uh, and and certainly we know from a political perspective that our south african politics are only looked at usually from one angle they're they're not taken from a multitude of angles but what are what are some more of the sort of gems in in, in the joburg area that uh, that our listeners may not even know exist so there's some great ones. Um, you know, you've obviously got Mabaneng, you've got Fox Street. Yeah. Those, those are two. And I think those are like mainstream those are established now. Those are like hipster yeah. wannabe type, so type places. What people want to check out is a place called One Elof. Now, One Elof is a phenomenal little space because it's not aimed at the pram brigade from the suburbs. It's aimed at the guys who live in the city. Yeah. The guys live in the building. They work. They make about six to eight grand a month. They can afford to rent a place there for three grand a month. There's a bar downstairs. There's a new burger joint that's just opened up there. Um, there's a little pop-up stall. So the idea is phenomenal. I actually opened a studio there. Oh, did you? I'm, um, I'm, I'm inter- intimately uh, involved with uh, the developer. Okay. I know him well. And uh, my brother-in-law is the architect. Okay. Who, who they, so, so one Elof was actually a Rolls-Royce factory. Yeah, back in the day, and dilapidated building, and they bought it uh, four or five years ago, I believe, and they made this mixed commercial rental space. But the, what's interesting, <coughs> excuse me, is that the average person who rents there earns between twelve and fifteen thousand a month, and they work at the big banks in the CBD, and it's I think it's ninety percent black occupancy, and then you have this one artist who looks like. An artist, disheveled, it looks homeless, in fact. And to get a, to get rental there, you actually need to provide bank statements just to show that you've got income. This artist had eight million rand cash in his bank account. <laughs> so every two years, like, I need a bit of money. I'll just sell my sculpture and it sells for like four or five million rand. But he's like, he's like not at all what you would expect. 
so that's yeah, one Elof yeah. is a great story. Love one Elof. Um, Gerald from Joburg Places who run, runs the place downstairs. Him and I. So Gerald has got this passion for Joburg that actually far supersedes mine. He knows the city. If you want to go see the city, you want to go on a Joburg working to, walking tour, Joburg Places, go check them out on Facebook. They are phenomenal. He does great walking tours into Hillbrow, Little Addis, all of those kind of things, which is really great. Um, another place I really love that I think could be on the up and up. It really is on the up, which is Ponty. But they've been saying this for years, though, about Ponty. And at some point they were going to redevelop and it was going to cost you like a million rand for an apartment in Ponty when I suppose a million rand was a lot for an apartment. Now it's, I don't know, five million yeah. rand. Um, but, but so what is happening there? I mean, it's an incredible building. If, if you've never been there, you guys have both been there, but if, if for those listening, if you haven't been there, it's, it's quite a phenomenal space. And if you can get into the sort of center of it, yeah. it's uh, to sort of look up through, through the middle of it. It's, it's just quite the experience. Um, but, but what's, what's, what's going on? Once again, Ponty is not aimed at the Pram Brigade. It's aimed at the people who live in the city and at tourists. So you've got Nicholas Bauer from ETV, who lives Our up favorite man on the roof, and he has got the penthouse. His daddy bought him. Yeah, so he's developed Lelanje, which is really really cool. So they are trying to do something for the local community, and they're doing great strides with the local community. They just launched fifty one oh five, which is a Ooh, a base for, for the walking tours. It's a base for little conferences. You can book lunches there, and while it's not flying, I can see potential. When you walk into the building from the parking lot, there's open shops down the bottom there. And if we just looked at a couple of coffee shops and those kind of things, if people kind of had the vision to say, that's worth looking at. What, what's keeping people away? Is, is, is crime still a major issue? Uh, Definitely. Probably it's, the it's, biggest one. And the thing is, is that that's actually a fairly secure area. You know, you come up past St. John's, you do a little U-turn, you pop up there. Yeah, you one, turn left, right, one left you, and you, and left you're, and in, in, yeah. you're inside. Once you're inside the building, you're a thousand percent safe. But it's, it's that Joburg mentality of, oh my God, I can't go near, near Hilbra. Yeah. I mean, I drive through Hilbra once a day because I need to feel alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How, I, uh, just a matter of interest, uh, because I actually haven't been through Hilbra recently. Uh, I used to do a lot of work there actually, but, um, uh, any change since we've supposedly got a new local government who's meant to be taking city renewal and, and inner city quite seriously? It's definitely cleaner than it used to be. Crime, you know, there's buildings that need to be sorted out. There's buildings, you know, you can have your CCTV cameras, you can have bad boys security jumping on the guys afterwards, but it doesn't help. Even if they get the stuff back, it doesn't help the trauma. The trauma of being hit by 10 guys in the streets while everyone watches you and pleading for help, that trauma doesn't go away. You know, the trauma I've had over the past 16 years of watching people die and that kind of stuff, that doesn't go away. It stays with you forever. So it's not just about the loss. It's about that trauma. And if you can get it to a stage where people aren't getting robbed on the streets, people may actually come back. You may find little coffee shops coming back. You may find that kind of stuff, but there is so much work to be done. And I think the problem is, is that because let's say that it's a 70% foreigner occupancy in Hillbrow, mm. it's not a major thing. It's, it's well, oh, they're not going to vote for me. They, that, that's not our voters. It's not let's, a focus. Let's look over, let's look after Bramfontein. Let's look after the suburbs. Let, those are the people that are going to vote. Those are the people that are going to keep us in power, whether it's ANC, EFF, DA, whatever, 
So Heilbrach keeps getting forgotten. There's promises and little bits get done and there's one or two little notes that kind of look a little bit cleaner. But, I mean, you go past the Chelsea Hotel and it's all barbed wire closed. And, I mean, I, I passed out in that street many nights and then crawled over to the chicken place to get something to eat. And literally, I mean, we used to walk from Joburg North to Heilbrach, Joel all night, then go down to town, then hitch back to, jo- back to Joburg North again. That is not possible anymore. But... Oh, it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and what's worse, my, my wife used to work at Heilbrock Clinic for, for quite a while, for about a year. Heilbrock Clinic is about one tenth of a, of a major hospital. And that hospital is just empty. It's just staying there, dilapidated, decaying. A beautiful building. So, you know, so the, the, the potential is massive. And, uh, no, they send all the resources to, Baraguanath and Joburg Gen, for example, um, and the clinic is a, is a, is literally a, a tenth of of the actual hospital. So even even the services in Hebra are just nowhere nowhere um, and sufficient. The only, only people that are actually doing things is the private side. So your bad boy security, <coughs> um, you know, Glenlanje, those kind of guys are doing something, but it's private, mm. and there's not a, a huge amount of money behind it. So but, if you yeah, I mean, what's your sense of the? Because you say it is seventy percent foreign. Um, What's your sense of the foreigners? I'm, I'm sure most of these people just want to live their lives in peace. They don't, they don't want to be attacked on the street. They don't want to be constantly mugged and robbed and all the rest of the stuff that goes down. So, uh, you, you know, what's your sense of their community organizing and, and, and trying to root this out? Because, you know, the, the typical South African response will be, oh, well, yeah, there's crime because, you know, there's foreigners and foreigners equals crime. And, and I'm not convinced that that's necessarily true. I don't, I don't have the data for that. Uh, so, you know, is there, I, what's I, the community like? Are you involved at all? You know, any people? There? Um, I, I know one or two people who live there. And basically the whole thing is they basically, they're just trying to live their lives. They sure. at, at somewhere to sleep and they need to get up the next day and work or beg or do whatever they do to make money. And, yeah, I think, but it's that, it's that whole Zimbabwe situation where you've got all these people that are oppressed, but they're too scared to do anything about it. And they're too scared to, to organize and do anything about it. And that's the actual problem is that because there's no authority saying, right, let's stop this. There's no Morgan Sangurai coming in and saying, cool, let's organize. Let's get these buildings sorted. Let's actually say stuff you to the criminals. And if they actually stood up, but that, that is not going to happen because People don't want to go to that effort. They, they're worrying about their 500 bucks that they make a month and their 300 oh, yeah. bucks that they pay in rent. So that, that's their main focus. If they can get from that taxi to their room that night and they're safe, awesome. They've won for the day. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that's the power of poverty, so to speak. It, 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 there is only so much downside you can actually, um, suffer from. I mean, if you, if you do stand up, you know, as a, as a, as a community leader and want to do something and you get taken out or you get harassed, whatever you lose your job, that's done. I mean, you finished as, as a person. So yeah. it's very difficult to actually stand up and do something in those, in those circumstances. Now, between Hilbra and Yeovil, I did a story, oh, maybe about eight, nine, ten years ago, um, with a whole bunch of X32 battalion guys who basically they are, they bounty hunters and they cleaned up just as you come out of Rocky Street. Um, there used to be the little military shop on the right-hand side and then the, the flats across on the left-hand side. They cleaned that place up. Basically, it had been hijacked. They walked in with a whole bunch of guys. They cleaned it up. They sorted it out. They've put in biometric access and it's sorted. You know, they vet the people who live there and then now basically they chase people in the city. So they go collect bounties. 
really? they, they find criminals. And also, and also a private, a private institution. Yeah, two guys, literally, two, three, two guys. And but they took me for a drive. So they loaded me in their, you know, their old Merc with the tinted windows and you know that 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 that, that Merc, that eighties Merc. Yeah. And they took me for a drive. We drove into Yeovil. I was me sitting in the back there. They stopped outside one of the Nigerian drug dens, called one of the guys over, had a chat with them, and within the space of 10 minutes had ordered, like, cocaine, an AK-47, and a 13-year-old girl. Jesus. Just like that? Just like that. Sure. Yeah. No, they are. And it's, it's, if you know the right places. Now, the cops know about this. They know where those guys are. Of course. I know where they are. If I know where they are, they know where they are. Seriously, what, why can't they just take pops in there and just go and – Flatten the place well, what's the, because what's someone's the, getting something backhand. Yeah, guaranteed. What, what's the incentive? What's the incentive to do the job properly? If uh, especially if the, if the the kickback is higher than your your monthly salary. Yeah, I mean that's the problem. That's the problem with South Africa generally speaking. Management is utter shit. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk because we mentioned Yeovil now. So let's talk Yeovil a bit. Um, my grandparents lived in Yeovil, and um, uh, you know it was quite the vibrant sort of suburb um, still is to my understanding although it can be relatively dangerous last time I was in Yeovil I was um, uh, kind of picking up bodies off the floor um, what's uh, what's happening there these days have you uh, been there much is it is it not the place to visit really is there anything of value Yeovil has pretty much gone to the docks um, unfortunately I don't do really? Yeovil okay. um, I don't drive in Yeovil uh, I try and avoid Yeovil. <laughs> there are most probably some good places, and there are walks that go through Yeovil, once again arranged by guys who do do that kind of thing, and they've integrated with the community. But it's just – for me, it's too risky. It's – I'm not going to stop my car in Yeovil and go to the shops. It's, it's uh, just one of those places that I don't do. Really? I'm, a, I'm, I'm French speaking, and I'm friends with a lot of French Africans who live in Yeovil. I've never visited them. But um, around the 2008 xenophobic attack, I asked uh, my friend Paul, he's from Ivory Coast, and I said, you know, you live in Yeovil, what's happening? No, we just barricaded the whole suburb up and uh, no one's getting in here at all. <laughs> and, and they were they were left alone. Uh, apparently, it's French African immigrants in Yeovil. They're the predominant population group and have actually organized themselves quite nicely. I haven't been there myself in about five, six years. So, yeah. Look, maybe, you know, it's time I get off my butt and go and do it. Um, maybe, maybe don't take all your equipment though, because I, yeah. I mean I hear that 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 concern, and I think realistically, anywhere you're walking with with all of the stuff, you, you know, you don't want to keep having to replace it. It's, that that is the biggest issue because I am self-funded. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, because <laughs> I don't work for a living. Let's put it that way. I have to pay for all the gear myself. It's not so. When I was with the Star or any of those guys, it was their gear. So it was like, go here, cool, not a problem. You get into their car and you take their gear. And you make sure that you're safe. And if someone wants to go, you say, cool, here we go. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I literally, I just got a quote on my new phone and they want 650 rand a month to insure my phone that I pay 500 rand a month for. Yeah. Cause your risk is, 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 is that high? Sure. Um, all right. Let's, let's get back onto some of the, some of the, the, the places we might not have heard of. Uh, you know, another place is, um, Victoria Yachts. So, Where's that? Oh, it's right in the middle of Jefferson. Lorenzville. So oh, okay. if you're going down through Hillbrow, Ponty on your left, you go down, you've got Ellis Park on your right. Yes. Hook a left, down to the Nando's head office. Yeah. And it's right there. It is a new development, brand, brand new development. Um, Brian Green is doing it. So the man who brought us 44 Stanley. 
who I would say is most probably the father of Joburg regeneration. You know, 44 Stanley was the first of those types of venues where people were going, let's clean up the, the Joburg CBD, even though it kind of falls. Yeah, just, just on the border. Outside, but, but, but Auckland Park was dodgy before he, yeah. he did that. Um, and yeah, so he's building this place that's mostly around artists. So it's a place for oh, photographers, sculptors, painters, those kinds of people, artisans. So you've got guys making tables and chairs. You've got a brewery, um, a local brewery there. Um, you've got really phenomenal little, and it's once again aimed more at those from the suburbs. So it's yeah. a, it's been called the new Mabining. But it's different because it's not that kind of tightly integrated. You've got a flea market kind of vibe you get from Mabining where it's a lot open. Um, It's more like an industrial shopping center where you can go and go shopping or have a beer or have some coffee. There's restaurants coming. They've got an amphitheater that they're building, but they've kept it very rough and raw. So way more rough and raw than Fox, Elof, or Mabining. It's, it's, it's great. It really is. There's, on my channel, there's a video. You guys can go check it out. It's a really great little spot. I mean, if I may ask, what are your, okay, uh, maybe you know the people, so you don't want to be terribly honest, but what are your, your views on like the Fox, one Fox and Mabining and all that? Because, I went, I've been to them a few times. It's not my, my scene because it's just full of white people in the CBD. So it's a bit disconcerting for me. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's personally speaking, it's bringing the suburbs to two blocks of the CBD and then you don't actually see the CBD. You don't, you know what I mean? It's not the CBD. I'm not, I'm not a Puritan. I'm not saying there's, there's a, an essentialism around what the CBD is, but that's not it. The I appreciate it. And I'm not against it. I'm not yeah. against it. But, I mean, what are your views? So there's there's a bigger picture when it comes to Joburg. And I think what is going on is right. There are nodes. So you've got Bramfontein. You've got Newtown now. Newtown is phenomenal. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, you've got Fox. You've got the mining district down to Elof. Then you've got Elof. You've got Mabining. And you've got Victoria Yards. So you've got these little nodes that are fantastic and the burbs want to come and see them. Yeah. But one, like you said, so they drive there in their big fancy four by four. They park on the pavement because they can. They go and do the Joburg thing for a day and look at me. I'm so cool. I'm in Joburg. And then they go home. But if we can get to a situation. So Jeff, um, from Fox, yeah. uh, from Elof, from Elof yeah. has this dream of joining the notes of buying up spaces and making it so that you can go to Mubbining and then walk to Elof and then walk down to Gundy Square, walk down the mining district to Fox Street. From there, you can take a little scuttle across into Newtown. From Newtown, you can go up to Bromfontein. And what it starts doing is it makes this little map of where tourists and locals can interact with the city. And what will happen is once people start doing that, you find that they start getting braver. It's like, okay, well, we're going to the mining district and it's one road. And they just walk down that one road. And the second, third, fourth time they do it, you'll find that they'll walk down that road and turn right and walk a block into Joburg. And then the next time they'll walk two blocks into Joburg. Well, the, the mining time. district is interesting because you could be in Manhattan, yeah. frankly. Um, That's where I spend most of my time because the courts is right there. Yeah. And, and if you haven't been, I mean, take, take, take a, <laughs> take a trip down there because it, it's completely safe. Um, the, the, the mining companies have enough money that they have invested in um, basically a, a renewal project, which is which is I think mandated now. Um, so everyone has to contribute towards the security. There's security everywhere. 
the pavements are beautiful. There's manicured trees and 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 there's, there's restaurants out and, in the open and you know coffee shops exactly yeah. on on the side and of good the ones street. too by the way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's 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 if the rest of the city could be similar in some way. It's not to say that uh, it's just not to have a slum yeah. really. And yeah. I I think what is also missing, I hear that idea of connecting all the nodes. If you can connect all the nodes and you create a sort of corridor of safety, which is the biggest problem facing the city, you then have a possibility of redeveloping skyscrapers into apartment blocks, for yep. example. And then instead of people, you know, buying a home perhaps in a suburb, they may consider buying a home in an apartment. Um, you know, instead of living in a complex, maybe they'll live in a in a high rise in the in the, in the CBD. Um, perhaps that's that's where the the obstruction is at the moment. Yeah. It's just the safety area. And also, you know, I've I've always been a firm believer that what they should do is just build about five hundred car parks around the outskirts of the city and make it a car free zone. I fully agree with you because the driving in the CBD. I, I, that's why I walk because just yeah. driving driving a kilometer and walking a kilometer it's faster to walk. But, you know, if you could get tuck tucks running, and I think if we could get the guys from Fox, Elof, Mabaneng, et cetera, all talking to each other to an extent where it's like, oh, well, I'm not talking to you because you're going to steal my customers, <laughs> as opposed to working together and saying, right, well, let's work together. Let's get tuck, a fleet of tuck tucks between all of us, and let's get people from Fox, and they can pop down to Elof and go experience yeah, like a real shuttle Joburg. sort of experience. You know, that, that's what I really love about Elof is that it's real Joburg. It's, yeah. it's not – like the other ones. No, it's not. I mean, that's um, why it's my favorite. Uh, for me, the mining district is, is, is more Joburg than, than many of those other yeah. places because you actually walk in the public streets. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I go very often, my little three year old, the two of us, we totter off and we go pocket fox and I'll buy her milkshake and then we go for a walk and we walk all the way down to Gundy Square together and I'll show her some of the shops and we love it. She loves it. She loves exploring the city with me and I feel safe enough to do that. Sure. Yeah, no, same. Tell me, um, is anything happening to your best of your knowledge with Carlton Center? So, so that, that's an, I mean, if you, if you don't know Carlton Center, I mean, quite an incredible building for some time. And I think it might still be the tallest building in, in yeah. Africa. Um, it's, uh, when it was built, it was quite an engineering feat as well. There was also issues with the foundations and how they built on the, the specific soil rock sort of formation underneath that. Um, and it, it was as a building, it was the building. I mean, if you had a business and you could have offices there, that was like the place to have offices. Uh, the Carlton Center Hotel was the place to go have dinner. Uh, some really, our top restaurants were there. And, and, you know, if you and want, there was, there was an ice rink as well. Yeah. Ice rink. Yeah. I went, actually went to the ice rink as a kid a couple of times. Um, you know, and, and actually as to the best of my knowledge, obviously the office building I think is now used by SARS mainly. Uh, Transnet. Is it Transnet? Yeah. Um, and so, tra- I couldn't remember which government organization that steals my money uses it. Um, <laughs> but, and the, the hotel is mothballed. So they basically just closed the doors, mothballed the entire thing, closed the doors and uh, said, we'll see you later. Watch, watch the space. Is it? <laughs> oh, really? No, um, I'm desperately trying to get into the hotel at the moment, um, to go do a story on it. Uh, Transnet own the hotel and they own Colton and they've got offices in, in Colton. Um, it's still a fairly nice center once you're inside. Um, parking, there's tons of it. Problem is the lifts don't work 99% of the time. So you normally end up walking up a thousand stairs to get up, up. You get lost. I mean, I, I consider myself fairly well versed in finding my way. Um, I've been lost downstairs in those basements a couple of times. 
um, if you go up to the 50th floor, they've closed the restaurant, which really sucks because now you've got to go eat downstairs or take something up with you and you go upstairs. The windows are always dirty. So this beautiful viewing deck that tourists used to stream to is always pretty much empty. And I think it's because of the access issue. The red bus helps a lot so that the red bus has got to stop right outside and you can jump off the red bus. You can explore the center. But it's not somewhere where locals would go. And once again, it's that same issue as you actually can't believe what you can find in Colton and in the shops around it and what the prices you'll pay. Yeah. I mean, when, when I was shopping for a new bed, I went a block away from Elof Street. And there's some street shops on the road outside. Uh, is it? It's small street. Is, um, yeah, small street. You, it could be small or on the other side. Uh, there's a bunch of clothing stores, yeah. basically. You can go buy you know, clothing at like a, a, a fifth of the price of where you're pretty much. No, I mean, there are phenomenal deals in Joburg. I mean, you can buy a queen size bed for, you know, a tenth of the price that you pay at Cresta. But once again, it's just that most people won't. They won't go into the Joburg CBD to go and do their shopping. And you should. They, first of all, it's an experience. And there's, there's certain places so you kind of don't want to do the small street mall. Small Street Mall is still a little bit too confined. And what happened is that as a suburbs person walking through there, you're generally not paying attention. You're going to get pickpocketed. Yeah. Um, something's going to happen. I can, I can pretty much guarantee that unless you are observant. So you need to be looking around and let people know that you're looking around. And that's one of the biggest things is, you know, when you're in places like this to kind of just m – most people feel ashamed, of, so we, you know, people driving in their car and the beggar comes up to the car window and they'll start fiddling with their phone and it's like that's why you get smashed and grabbed as opposed to making eye contact with the person permanently and watching the guy and saying I'm watching you and following him around and watching him around the other side of the car he's not going to bother with you he's going to look for the next person it's the same thing when you're walking in Joburg Central is to kind of identify things so I, I have a thing that I do where if someone kind of looks a little bit dodgy to me I've got a little radar my spidey sense goes and the first thing I do is I look at his shoes because if someone's wearing flip-flops, they're not going to run away from you. <laughs> Good point, <laughs> actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's something I learned years ago. Um, one of the cops on the streets on that something, he was like, yeah, I can look for the shoes. And there's little things like that. You know, is the guy wearing a big overcoat in 90-degree heat? Um, there's an issue there. Mm. But like I say, most people are too scared. They kind of feel ashamed to go, oh, well, I'm, I'm looking at you. And you need to get away from that. It's, you know, it's your stuff. You need to protect yourself. So you need to kind of just keep an eye and let people know that you're keeping an eye. Yeah. And that, that's one of the biggest steps in Joburg is kind of just doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. To, to remain observant. Uh, I mean, it came naturally to me. I must be honest after a while, but, but I actually want to talk to you about YouTube. Um, so this, I mean, I see, so you do vlogs. Can you just define what a vlog is, please? Ah, yes, well. So a vlog is a blog that is video, to put it very simply. But basically it is – I'm trying to get away from the word vlog, actually, because vlog is a little bit of a dirty word when it comes to YouTube. You know, Casey Neistat kind of established it, and he is the king, and pretty much everyone has tried to copy Casey. And it's kind of killed the platform a little bit because you've got everyone trying to be Casey, everyone trying to do what Casey does. And it has kind of killed the platform a little bit. So I consider myself more a content creator, a YouTuber. So I'm trying to go away a little bit from having my face in front of the camera because my face should not be in front of a camera. But basically it's 
talking to yourself, talking to your phone and doing the whole Ben said, this is e-news, blah, 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 but taking it and doing it yourself, telling the stories yourself. You're the person in front of the camera. You're the person behind the camera. You're the person telling the story. Right. Um, so, okay, I get that. The, the problem in, in South Africa is that YouTube is just not a medium that people flock to at all. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I got, I got a, another podcast and I can have, I can have 500 downloads, uh, audio downloads and like, you know, 50 views on YouTube. It's like, it's like a 10, 10% of my audio is, is available, is what people want to watch, but they'd rather listen, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I noticed, you know, some of your videos, like great stuff, the boxing grannies and whatever, you got like a thousand views perhaps on that. Um, if I'm, I was like, why do you carry on? Because it's a lot, it's a no, lot of work. It's, it's a heck of a lot of work. So when I started out, it was a case of I was going to daily vlog. So I was going to record my, my life daily. And I did it for two months and it literally almost killed me. Yeah. Because in my family, my wife earns the money. She works for a living. And I'm now mom after 16 years of doing what I, doing what I did and going to shitty places. Um, when my daughter was born, basically I said, I'm done. Um, so now I'm on, I take the kids to school. I fetch kids. I go to soccer games. I go to dance recitals. I do the shopping. I do the cooking. And then, so I don't go out of my mind. I make videos in the time that's left over. YouTube as a medium in South Africa is growing, but very slowly. So your beauty channels, your, those kind of channels, which are also copies of the Americans. It's, it's something that really, really frustrates me is that South Africans love to copy. It's, and I mean, if you go watch my first 10, 15 videos, man, I thought I was Casey. I was the South African Casey nice that I was going to be rich and famous over and ha ha fat chance. And what it did is basically I just reverted back to me and I really don't give a shit. You like it. You don't like it. You watch it. You don't watch it. Whatever. I'm not doing it to make money. Chances are I'll never make money off it. Um, I love doing it. I love telling stories. Uh, I love the product reviews. So we've started a few new things now, which is the product reviews, the tutorials, and there's a couple of new things coming in. I'm doing a series with my daughter where we do DIY and we teach people how to make uh, Play-Doh and slime and stuff like that. And that, that actually is doing really, really well. Uh, the tutorials and the video and the reviews are also doing very well. I just did a review on Canon's new EOS M50, which is sitting on about 20,000 views in the space of two weeks, and I did the DJI Spark, uh, the DJI Mavic Air yesterday. Um, so I've got a lot of gear, and those kind of videos are starting to do well. Okay. And, and it's weird because across different platforms, so I, it's on YouTube and on the website, and it's on my Facebook page. And certain videos will do really well on YouTube and shite on Facebook. Some videos will do really well on both, and some videos will only do well on Facebook. And yeah, the YouTube community is growing. It's definitely a growing platform in South Africa, but getting traction, getting people to actually watch South African content, that's been the hard part. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you can speak to us about that. This podcast is, geez, Jonathan. It was it's our, our birthday. Yeah. It was our anniversary two weeks ago. We didn't I know. notice. I know. Um, and we're the biggest daily, not daily, weekly podcast in the country by, by a long shot. And, it's still really tens of thousands per month. It's not, you know, hundreds of thousands of downloads or millions or anything like that. Like we still reach a much smaller population than 
many other media uh, companies, but we still, but we are the biggest one. So you can imagine just the dearth of of just people just not getting the concept, and it's not their fault by any means, uh, nothing like that. There's a lot of obstruction, data costs, and all that's very high, but uh, there's a lot of great stuff that just is not consumed at all. It's it's, it's really hard, and I mean, you know, you were saying, why haven't I just given up yet? The thought has crossed my mind a couple of times. But first of all, I'm not a quitter. Um, when I started furniture journalism, I was a motorbike mechanic. And my, oh, wife really? bought, my wife bought me the Bang Bang Club because she thought I might like the book. I read it, literally sitting on the toilet overnight. I went to the toilet with the book, sat down, and I didn't get up for eight hours. That's a, that must have been a mean curry. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up the next morning. Not, and not I, recommended. I, I, <laughs> From the doctor. <laughs> I said to my wife, that's I'm be a photographer. I mean, I knew nothing. I literally knew nothing. And I went and searched what used to be the interweb back in 2001. And I found that the South African Press Association was looking for a photographer. I applied for the position. They invited me in for an interview. Please bring your portfolio. I didn't have one. So my wife's dad was a game ranger in Botswana, and she had been taking photos her whole life. So literally, I went in there with her portfolio oh, <laughs> and Good pretty job. much bullshitted my way into the job because fortunately, they knew less about photography than I did. And that's how I started. And I left a cushy job with Jonik as the editor of ICT World where I was making a whack of cash, yeah. a whack of money. And fake it till you make it. Into a job where I was making – I think at that stage, three and a half thousand rand or four thousand rand a month. And everyone said I was nuts. You're never going to make it. I won World Press within three years. I've won eight Fuji Awards. I've won CNN. Um, Don't tell anyone about the CNN. <laughs> it needs to be removed from the CV immediately. So, so, um, so from, from nothing, within three years, you, 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 yeah, you became something yeah. great. I mean, award-winning. So my mission with the, the, this channel is to do exactly the same thing. I want to be the most consumed, the biggest YouTube channel in South Africa. And at six months old, we crawled to our first sort of three, four hundred subscribers in the first four months. We knocked away 1,350 yesterday. Um, so we hit that target. Um, we did 300,000 views for February. We are looking we, – I don't think we'll do that again. Fortunately, we had a great – we had one viral video in February that really – and that's what actually what broke it for us is we were crawling along. But that's how that's how I found you. So, so it, yep. was, it was the BLF uh, protest at Lutuli House yep. and the ANC came. What was the six people? Yeah, the six people and that, and that utter bastard. Who, who kicked, kicked that woman. Yeah, kicked the granny on the floor and you had the video for yep. it. Yeah. And basically that broke the channel. That took me from 300-odd subscribers to over a 1,000 in the space of 48 hours. I, the I views flew up. I mean, it still does a 1,000 views a day. Really? It's sitting on 260-odd thousand at the moment. Do you think there's space for independent media like that? There definitely So, is. I mean, I know you don't want to be called a vlogger. Yeah. But if you could upload videos without, without an editor, without yeah. anyone telling you what to do, I think it could be a great um, market for that. So I am going to be doing a lot more news, but very specific into stories that mean something to me. Sure. So every time there's a riot, I'm not going to run off and go do it just so I can get views. If I think it's a story I want to cover, I'll go and cover it. Um, yeah, it's going to be what I want to do. That's the whole thing is about this channel is about it's stories I want to tell. Sure. And I hope that people will like them and I hope that people will subscribe and watch and everything. But I don't really care. You know, I'd love more. I'd love hundreds of thousands of more subscribers. And what has been really, really hard is coming from being a inverted commas top photographer in the world to being this tiny little YouTuber. 
And, you know, you reach out to people like Samsung or whatever and say, listen, I want to review the new S9. They kind of look at you and go, well, who the hell are you? And you've got to check yourself before you go, well, do you know? And it's like, no, I'm not that person anymore. I'm now this little fish again. And But what's really nice is that it's grown in the last couple of months. All of a sudden now we've got guys kind of throwing products at us. We've got guys from overseas saying, hey, that looks cool. We don't have a footprint in the South African market. Would you like to play with these toys? So that's kind of why I've gone the product route and the review kind of way is to kind of just pull more people in. So if I can pull people in from that side, hopefully they'll stick around and watch the stories that actually matter. That's fucking bullshit, man. We've had this thing for two years. No product. No, fuck all. Not, not a single fucking product. We had wine from Noble Savage. Yes, we did actually. The, fair first, the first two weeks. Yes, thank you, Noble Savage. And, and it just dried up. Nothing comes then. Yeah, yeah. We are starving <laughs> so, and, and technology depletes. Let, let's talk influences while we're at this and while we're talking about the yeah. fact that no one's, you know, yeah. send, send them free stuff, people. Send them free stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the biggest in, issues with influencer marketing in South Africa is that the brands are shit scared to step outside of the six people that they use. Oh, believe me, we know. Oh, and, and also, I mean, you, you know, we can have an hour, another hour conversation. We've got five minutes, but we can have another <laughs> hour conversation on what they define as an influencer. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the people that have managed to build almost careers on being inverted commas influencers, um, and uh, I recently had a meeting with someone quite well known, and they basically said to me, they told me almost everyone with a large Twitter following. When I talk large, I mean 100,000 or more is pretty much bought followers. Um, so, so, um, it's it, it, the, 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 the quality, I think, the quality of influencer and the return that many people are actually getting on, on those, on those people is, is a lot less than they think. I think the biggest problem I'm having is that I promise to be 100% honest. Your product sucks. I'm going to tell you it sucks. And if you don't give me anything else after that because you're pissed off with me, hey, tough shit. Um, I really don't care. I, w- I, w- yeah, I wish we could actually just get the products in and then be honest. But to be honest right from the beginning, so people are like, fuck, we're never going to send them a thing. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind a Mavic drone. I'll have to hook you guys up. Shane will speak after this. <laughs> Shane, I mean, to be fair with you, I expected this to be a nice, fluffy, 45, 50-minute podcast. But I could go on for another two hours. <laughs> Unfortunately, traffic fucked us over, all of us. Yeah, we had a, we had so a studio we had a time. time. <laughs> but I would love for you to come back. This has been great. Yeah, I'd love to. Anytime, guys. Where can people find you? So people can hit up. The, the easiest is if they just go to www.heyhey.joburg. Um, or otherwise, literally, Google. Google is your friend, people. Type in Hey Joburg. You'll find the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, the website, the YouTube channel. It's all there. And, yeah, I'd really love it if people could hit me up with ideas of stories they'd like me to tell. Um, okay. I'd love to hear what people think are stories and go do stories. You know, th- this is a community thing. I'd love my people to say, hey, this is a cool story. Let's go do it. I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. Perfect. So there you go, people. Hey, Joburg on, well, most social media. Just look for that. And Shane, thank you. I uh, really, really appreciate you coming. Awesome stuff. It's been, guys, it's been fantastic. Thank you, Shane. Right. You can, as always, find us on Twitter at renegade underscore report. You can also, if you like the podcast or want to send us a drone or want to give us money towards a drone, um, we actually don't use it for that, but, uh, hey, who knows? Um, we can, you can find us on Patreon and, uh, thank you for listening. We'll chat to you next time. Bye.
is cliffcentral.com.